first time ever. Hear you loud and clearly. Um, and it was going place. That stuff's great. But the game is not a roguelike. Boomer shooter. <laughs> Bang. Hello, this is John St. John, and you're listening to KWP In The Keep, bringing you all the hits from the finest in the world of gaming and entertainment. Now sit back and relax as the drowned god Cathala lulls your mind with the tastiest talk in town. Welcome to another chapter of In The Keep Podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherlode. The Keep is a collective of gaming enthusiasts compelled by the drowned god Cathala to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. You have uh, done so much for our community in such a subtle way that goes so crazily under the radar for the vast majority of people you know this is not people think about character designs and they talk about it but very rarely do do the names like you know come to the forefront of the conversation and design is such an important aspect of every detail you've made characters that are absolute icons through every fiber of many of our beings like fred's entire life has basically been based around a character that you made in the 90s so Truly, like what is think about Ivan the space biker? Exactly. Exactly. That's the guy. It's about time he gets his own game. (laughs) Yes. Ivan. So I guess the where I want to start is what what uh put you on the path to become a graphics guy, like to make designs and make three Um, models and everything. And this goes back to a period of time where uh desktops were just starting to take off. Doom coming onto the scene. Um the 486 days of computers. I was in college, uh, my degree in illustration, and I wanted to be part of computers no matter what. I knew that was the future. I didn't even have a lab or, or barely had a lab with, you know, equipment that was so archaic. But uh, still, that's what I wanted to be. And we're painting with paint, maximum resolution of 320 by 240. I always joke about it. It felt like you're painting with a light bright. You're putting in a big peg, and that's on the yeah. colors you get. I got out of college and, you know, I get a job. I was fortunate that a friend of mine in college, um, a piercing shop, and he was looking to get a tattoo shop going. He hired this guy named Robert Hackney, uh, still doing it, by the way. And he saw my drawings and art and he got me in there immediately. Pretty much apprenticed me to tattoo. And uh, it was a lot of fun. A lot of crazy things happened. From there, I had someone just walk in and say, hey, there's this video game company that's uh that's looking for people in the thing. Why don't you send them your drawings? I was like on the first version of a fractal painter. It's still in a can. And uh, I put them on a floppy. Sounds weird to say this day. And I <laughs> sent it out to them. And I got a call back within the next few days. It was shocking. You know, it's like, oh, God. I set up an interview pretty quick. I was out in Garland, Texas, uh, pretty close to where I lived. Uh, out there, I, I I do remember the the first thing I saw was Joe Siegler, a bunch of pens set up in the hall. He's bowling while I'm going in there to take that, and I'm just walking by, and you just casually see that, and it's like okay. And he he didn't even see me, but he's just busy bowling away down the hall. And um, he interviewed me, and I was I was really trying hard not to let them know that I was a tattoo artist because I felt that that was 
oh, you're a tattoo artist. We don't want any of that. But found out later and they loved it. But um, yeah, I did the interview. And next thing you know, I'm I'm with them. They got my office. Um, we were working on Rise of the Triad. So much I didn't know. We had a good team. Um, Tom Hall was there. Uh, William, Mark Docterman, Jim Dosay, all those guys. Um, they pretty much let me just kind of learn. I did illustrations for uh, Rise of the Triad. <laughs> I, I, every now and then I'll see them and it's like, oh, yeah. But, you know, it's early days. You can go on the net and go to YouTube and find a video on how to do something was pretty much you're on your own. The other thing that we would do is take the manual to a copy shop. It would sit there and copy the entire manual till you had a stack of papers about this high home staple it. You're in there reading it because you want to learn, you know, and that was pretty much my introduction into the three realms and a start of the rise of the tribe. But then I had already started playing doom. God, I love still remember the moment. This guy that knew all about computers and he helped me get mine set up. We connected, we connected virtually. He's like, Can you see me? I remember looking out in the distance and I see these moving pixels. Never played anything like this. And he gets closer. <laughs> I had the shotgun, so I shot him. It was just it was it was an experience, you know, hooking up with somebody like that and being able to play them head to head like that was new. I was instantly hooked instantly hooked just took to it and um i think in going and working for a game company makes these type of games i can't be a developer's bigger blessing for a developer to play the game that you worked on that's out there that people are playing Hmm. um that was you know playing going online and being able to play duke online and um just one of my my shining memories in game dev crazy like how when you're describing the process of like connecting with someone online and how amazing it was to see them in doom and this is back in the day and then how not graceful are getting you into discord for a simple video chat <laughs> i know things have gotten so complicated but it just yeah. you know maybe um, we should have met in doom instead that would have been yeah fun. i know that would conduct the interview. That, would, that would be a good interview that's a good why format we, you know why are we not Hiding doing that right here. now me to answer Let's that question, come get that. me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! What do you use? Z Damon, Zendronum? What are we meeting in? I gotta. Uh, man, I'm so rusty. I, I know there's so much to choose from these days. I've been doing drone software because I, for some reason, I want to do FPV drones, but um, mm-hmm. a whole other story. Yeah, there's some it. software that lets you train, but um, yeah. A while since I first person shooter. Did you did you mess around? With Doom and in terms of like putting characters and all that into the game uh, back then? I did. I remember um, I messed with the map editor okay. oh, constantly. I think probably the one that I messed with the most was um, Quake. Painting those skins was a blast. Yeah. Uh, you, you could go in and paint as many skins as you want. They're easy to drop in. Tried some of the level design stuff with some of the Doom tools. That was pretty amazing. Still found myself gravitating towards the character part, but um, I remember too in the early days there was a service called Dwayne, and it was yeah. essentially yeah you could dial in. It was local. John Romero used to play. Everybody would get on there, and they wanted a match with John Romero. I got very lucky, and and made. I mean, he whooped the pants off. Of it was still you're in shock. You're trying to talk to him and type, 
the same time he's running around and he's shooting you and he's throwing rockets at you so, and laughing at you and making his bitch. And uh, it, it was it was pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, there was a whole little community there. And, and that was the days. Um, I think that was the time when Ritual split off and then they had their own company. So I'd work at Apogee, then go hang out with Ritual and. It was just, you were just saturated with it. And it was really fun. And you know, Id was still in Mesquite, which is by Garland. Mm-hmm. You know, Apogee and, and Garland are, are very close. Id was probably less than five miles away. You know, everybody talk about what all the fancy cars that were parked out in front, you know, and it, it was, it was pretty cool. It was very cool. So you started off working on, it was Rise of the Triad, essentially your first game? At that point, or? as a triad was the first game, I was kind of the texture artist, um, doing the textures for the level. I have to say, well, I've pretty much gone through college as an illustrator. Um, I could use airbrush, paint, pretty much all the old school mediums. All of a sudden, you're getting into, and it's a whole nother different way to paint. Um, I had the, the privilege of watching some of the uh, the G paint gods paint, take their little fingers, and they would go back and forth on the bracket key. Would go up and down in the value of the uh, of the color. James Story was the one, the person that I I um I know Kenneth Scott was one of the the super pixel guys, but James Story he was kind of 3D Realms pixel guy. Um, he was from England, super cool guy. Um, God, he was good with that. He could do things. I remember trying to go home and practice to be like him, but it was very difficult for me to adjust. So. As time has gone forward in the computer industry, I get the resolution where the real art skills can come in and, and kind of start helping me. But back then, it wasn't the case. It was so frustrating working with limited palettes and uh, limited resolutions. Um, but yeah, James' story was awesome. He did a lot of the stuff for Duke. He'd just take a, just a row of colors that were, you know, light to dark and just get these beautiful effects. And he's just constantly clicking back and forth with the bracket keys, scrolling up and down, choosing the correct color for that. It was amazing. So much has changed in, in the way things, I, I'm still in the industry. Um, you know, now the thing, the hot thing is PBR workflow and, you know, substance designer and painter. And uh, it, it, it it's pretty amazing, but I, I, that's what's been so fun about working back on this project is I kind of get back to go and, and visit stuff that I haven't touched in a while. Yeah. Just the other day, I, I had a texture done, and they're like, "Hey, come on, knock it to 128." And I'm like, "128? No, <laughs> don't do that." <laughs> so I knock it down, and it's just oh, and it brings back all those memories. But we got lots of tools we can go in and, and smooth that out, and kind of. I, re- I remember we uh, we had we had this conversation with you and, and Chris trying to convey the message that we needed the texture to be even lower res and we needed to be uh, nearest neighbor instead of bilinear filtering so you can see all the pixels mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it was a, a super fun conversation because you sent something back and it, it was still not nearest neighbor and I could just feel how, oh, do they really want it that shitty? Do they really want it that bad? <laughs> I, this is like software mode rendering before 3 yeah. dfx and OpenGL. It's like, yeah, Chuck, that's, that's how, what we're we going for here. <laughs> no, I can, I can start to see where you're going for. And, and I, am, I am slowly 
beating back. It's just, it's weird. You work in that way for so long and then you get resistance from the other side. Stop doing it that low. It needs to be higher resolution. It needs to look better. And, you know, you just, and then all of a sudden you need to switch back. It just, it it takes a little bit. And that, that's, that's kind of my growing pains with that stuff. No, I'm, it's, it's, it's interesting now because I remember staring at all the work that I've done. I, I get to see it on occasion and I look at it and it, it just, some of it, I, as an artist, it's like, God, I wish I would have done that. Oh, I wish I would have done that. I, and, and I'm trying to do some of those things now with some of the characters, you know, it's like, Hey, if I would approach the, uh, the geo this way, could have done this. But I remember the days of, of, of begging for, two extra frames because we would have a four frame walk and it's like, eh, 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 eh. And I just wanted two more frames so I could just get it a little smoother. You know, characters would be 64 pixels tall and their icon, you're, you're probably your cursor for your windows is got more resolution than some of those characters these days, especially with the 4k coming out, you know, and, um, but it was cool to go back and visit that. It's, um, it's kind of opened my eyes to a few things that, Hey, I, I kind of like the illustrated style, stylized kind of characters. You know, I've been doing hyper-realistic stuff with, you know, ZBrush, and I love ZBrush. Man, I love ZBrush. I've been doing that for so long, and there's, you know, weird methods where you take the low res, extract out the high res, take the normal maps, and just all these wacky things. And it's kind of what I'm used to doing these days. But again, with Fred, you know, inviting me on and, and letting me do some characters for stuff. It, it's been nice to go back, you know, and, and actually paint. Cause that's what I studied since yeah. I was 14. You know, I can imagine also when, when working on something like this, since you can do much faster durations, you don't have to mm-hmm. go back to ZBrush. You don't have to do major overhauls. It everything is so low res. I can also imagine that being kind of fun. You know, you can crank out characters much faster. You can do much more. Well, I, I, I'm more. still battling with that because there's there's parts of me that's like, I need to get this into Substance Painter. And, oh well, you know, if I take this back into ZBrush, I can move the port. You know, and yeah, I guess I'm, I'm I'm hybridizing all these tools now that I have for a low poly workflow. And you know, I'll send these screenshots. Hey, this is what I've done. And you know, in my mind, it's like, man, that's pretty low resolution. That's that's 1024. You know, that that'll work. And it's like, no, no, go lower, lower. <laughs> <laughs> Remove the zero. <laughs> go, go, yeah, come on, down, down. <laughs> And it's just like, oh, oh, you're killing me. But, you know, I again, I, I the other day I was poking around with it and taking it to Photoshop and using, um, you know, some of the, the mixer brush. And if, if you get the settings right on there, you can paint on a 128. You can smooth it out. You can start to get all those little beautiful effects because I am not limited now with a, pal- a limited palette. That's hard to work with. Limited palettes are very hard. Now I've got all the colors in the world, but, you know, it, it makes it a lot easier. With the limited palette, Think about it. You only had 256 colors. The entire game fit within that palette. So, you know, you had a certain row for monsters. You had a certain row for UI and and other things. And it's extremely limited. There were times you would paint stuff and then you would have to use um, Debabilizer, I think was the name of the program. And that would take it and would force it to another palette. You can probably do that effect in Photoshop now. But um, yeah, the limited palettes were really tricky. And the problem was, is if you went in there and you adjusted that limited palette, all of a sudden you'd run the game and hot pixels would start popping out that you weren't aware were being used. But since you went in and you adjusted that color, it's knocked the whole game palette out of whack. 
those were little pitfalls that you had to uh, watch out for in, in those days with that. When you would sit down to like create a character, you know, what, mm-hmm. what comes to mind is like a, a character from before. Cause there's kind of like, there's an industry before you and then there's an industry after you. That's true. To talk about when you sit down to like, this is the character I would like to come up with. What are characters that come to mind from before your hand first touched this industry that uh resonate? I remember a while back, I think it was Retro Gamer Magazine, had published this article mm-hmm. about how uh, back in the day you could show a character in a game as like a symbol. You know, like we have all these ideas of characters that are like, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog or Mario, like Crash Bandicoot even. And you show a silhouette of that even. And that's enough for someone to immediately think about. Whereas in today's world, we have these characters that are like very lifelike. And show me a silhouette of Nathan Drake. I don't really fucking, I don't care. Sure. It doesn't, it doesn't bring anything to mind, but what were the characters that kind of inspired you? Oh, I have always loved monsters as a kid. I watched all the black and white ones, anything I could get my hands on. If it was Godzilla, you know, all those, those kaiju films with people in rubber suits running around, you know, yeah. I, I have, a, I have a son now. And I go back and I show him those films and I bring up the old Godzillas and it's just like, oh, oh, especially with what you're seeing nowadays, you know. Um, yeah. Oh, there's so many characters. I, you know, that's that's kind of my life. And I also big D&D person. You know, you get books full of characters. And, um, you know, I think coming to mind, I, there are lots of characters that I love. One that comes to mind was from um, that movie. It was a, that witch in the swamp called Mucklebones. Uh, that was in, um, oh, the one that had Tom Cruise in it. And uh, God, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Muckle Bones was amazing. She was still animatronic. She wasn't 3D at all. And it's just very terrifying creature, long, creepy. Uh, she was kind of like a swamp witch. And Legend is the is the movie. We are your be the rest of you as sweet as your stuff. <laughs> and that, that one's probably dated now, you know. Um, Mucklebones was cool. Um, it, I also used to read um, heavy metal, but this was this was kind of the older heavy metal where they had more stories. A lot of the artists, Richard Corbin inspired me. Um, Juan Jimenez was another inspiration. Of course, Alien with Giger. You can't escape that, you know, just absolutely genre-changing monster-type stuff. But mm-hmm. always been a fan of monsters. I, I try to study the language of monsters. I still do. Um, like you were saying with that silhouette, that rule even applies today. You, people pay attention to silhouettes because when you instantly look at something, you get instant, instant information. And if you can convey that with a silhouette, and if somebody's playing the game and they look up and they can see that silhouette and it's like, oh, you know, that that might be one of these creatures, might be that character. There's a whole endless amount of shape language you can use. You can use colors. You can use sounds. Even things that are on the character's body can help tell a story. So I treat it like I want somebody to look at that character as quickly as possible. And I want everything on him to tell a story. So that kind of helps fill in the, the spots in people's minds. You know, it's kind of like um, I saw a great example of it with Star Trek. You know, they have teleportation in there. They never go into great depths to explain how they do this. They may now, but they didn't then. Mm-hmm. But people just it's kind of like one of those cliches that are accepted in sci fi. Oh, he teleports. OK, that is solved in my head. So I don't need to think about it. We can keep going with the story. It's the same kind of principle with a monster, you know, it's um, things that are on him, his shape, his movements, 
his colors. Um, is he wearing armor or not? If he's wearing armor, okay, how do you get this armor? Is this from pulled from undead? Is he being controlled by someone? I always try to tell that story in there and make it as visual as possible. Because if you have to go in there and narrate it, you're not doing it. It needs to tell it with a with a human beings are really good with our eyes and see things quickly and, 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 and plug in information. And it's our job as a character artist to tap into that, find what plugs in there. What, you know, what can I do to add to the creep factor of this? You know? Um, so those are some of my driving principles that I, I still use to this day. You just keep practicing and it, it's good to see some of those are still in use today and, and obviously been expanded way beyond there's so much more information now to convey with with all the resolutions, some of the rigging. God, some of the rigging is just is a masterpiece in itself. How did it feel going from Rise of the Triad, where you did textures, to to do what you did for Duke? Because previously with Doom and and Blood and so on, you know, the way of mm-hmm. doing it would be on Rise of the Triad. They took photos of humans, but with with uh, Blood and and Doom, they you know, did like small little models of clay. Yeah. And, and, and you were a pioneer in the industry because you did, you know, the first 3D models before you used 3D models. You would take the 3D models and then, you know, kind of use the old technique of taking photos of the 3D models. How, right. how was that? That was a fun story. It also makes me think of, of the game Blood. They they did that same thing. They had some really beautiful stuff. But for this, the story for this, it was kind of interesting. I was, Brought off after Rise of the Triad, I, I went over to Duke and was doing um, mainly just character illustrations for them. But there's a program called Hash Animation Master, and it was a spline based modeler. And there wasn't a lot out in those days. Um, you know, the 3D Studio was on like version one or two. So I, you know, I, I could afford Animation Master, bought it, and started to get to learn from it. I think it had one thing with it that even though it was a spline modeler, I could export that out in a format that a 3D program could read. So that's how I could do models. I could build them in splines and then export them out into 3D Studio and I'd have my model because that's what I, I knew. But we had a company that was working for us, I Emerald something, I don't remember. And they were they were kind of outsourcing our models. But, you know, we, we would come to find out that, um, and I, I this is just all hearsay. This is what I found out. But they would charge us like a lot of money just to build another arm. And all they were doing was just taking that arm and flipping it over to the other side. And then they'd charge us, you know, like a grand. And, you know, they found out about that. And that's when I kind of said, hey, I'm using this program. Let me try. And George was cool enough to, to let me try. And, and man, I, things got real busy after that. Um, just going through and, and using that software as much as possible to, to build the characters. I used it to do some of the, um, the cinematics. Oh God. Some of those cinematics. Oh, those were legendary, you know, Duke Rick ripping the head off. And, and oh God, man. how, how was it working with that as well? That was have been incredible. I remember sitting in my office and George walked in and saying that, and I'm just kind of like, you know, he's boss, man. That's what boss man wants. That's what boss man's going to get. <laughs> How many professionals? But, you know, you leave work and you, you know, immediately you do this. And it's like, how am I going to pull this off? You know? And it, it, it 
compared to, to cinematics you see nowadays, it, it was nuts, but it was just so off the hip and, hey, we need this. Can you do it? Uh, maybe. Go! And <laughs> that's what you had to do. But yeah, that one, um, I'm glad you bring that up because I go back through my drives. A, a lot of the, the source that I had from those days is gone. You know, I was trying to update my portfolio and put that kind of stuff in there. And I was trying to do it on ArtStation. I was trying to upload original GIFs from the game. And I would get warnings from ArtStation. We're sorry, this this artwork is too low resolution to upload. Please, uh, you know, size this up to the correct specs and we can upload it. So the artwork was so low that ArtStation, they wanted it 400 by 400. And I would have given anything for 400 by 400 back in those days. So I had to up-res it. And, and the other thing, too, we would use these weird formats like Flick Format. That was an old uh, animation format back then from Autodesk. And Flick Format, nobody, nobody reads Flick Format these days. PCX Format, nobody knows PCX Format, you know? So I had to go through and, and, and do a lot of work just to get these up. And I have to do that with that work every now and then is after a period of time passes, go in there and just save it in the newer formats just so I can access it later on. But that's why I was thrilled when Fred told me, it's like, we got your old hard drive. And it's like, oh, I'm like, oh that could be a good thing or that could be a bad thing. <laughs> I, I have to dig that up for you and just send you over a copy so you can, oh my God, so you can have some just... fun going through that. I, I remember when, when I saw that in the uh, in the storage room of, of 3D Realms, it's a hot drive saying Chuck Jones. It, it was Joe Ziegler. You know, he he, he kept backups of, of, you know, of good old, old Joe. Hot drive. Yeah, good old Joe, the, the archivist. And um, yeah, that, that was pretty Pretty incredible. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll make sure to send that over. Maybe, maybe you can find some some good stuff. I, you know, you know your files better than I do, but I, I did find a source files for a lot of different things that I had no idea how to open. And uh, you, you'd probably have a better idea. Uh, maybe you can use. Remember, we in in in, ha- in that animation master, and man, that that program. I still think it's it's used, but it's it's way way. You know, it's. It's not the what it used to be. It, I mean, it, it, people would use it a lot back then, but um, not anymore. Man, it, it's um, it's a billion dollar business out there with tools now. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd love to see that. I would love to go through and find some of that and just you know, th- that really tickled me whenever I, I heard that you had that. But yeah. um, it was interesting. Um, I remember I we, we worked on Duke and, and Duke was amazing. Just that whole experience. I think that was also the experience my first E3 and E3 was very different back then. You know, it did the, the, the floor was amazing and, and everybody was really hyped for Duke. Just being part of that, having people come by the booth and seeing it and just starting to feel that hype build. It, it's it's magical when that happens. But I remember I think the the, the big popular thing was everybody was wanting to go over to uh the Warcraft to the Blizzard booth and get a copy of Warcraft. That was when it first came out. I mean, it, you know, the characters were like five pixels tall, but you know, it was the start of the the, uh, the RTS genre. Just so many new things starting at that point, and um, it, it was cool to be there. And so much has changed, and I imagine more is going to keep changing now with VR coming out. You know, um, 10 years from now, we, we all may all be wearing helmets doing this kind of stuff. That might be where I spend my retirement. 
slurping an RC with a VR helmet on my head, you know, running through the grass or something. I don't know. There's worse ways to go, I guess. It's like that reminds me of that. Uh, there is. What's that show? Black Mirror, where there's like the when people are going to die. They Black Mirror makes you think in ways yeah. you have. They challenge you, and it's 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 scary, you know. But it's interesting too. Yeah. Just to see it, because I mean, in those days, I'm I'm hooking up through CompuServe. Yeah. You know, that, that's in a museum now. And now you, there's so many, it's just so incredibly sophisticated. And you just think that someday people are going to look back on this time right now, the same way we're looking back on Duke. It's just computers, just, it's just that just keeps going. And with it being digital and starting to be automated, that change is going to become even faster. Um, and I love, I love tech. I love tech. I want to be immersed in it, but it's also tech can be scary as well, you know, so don't want to divulge into that. Let's keep it fun. <laughs> That's what I've been telling. I thought, I think I said that to Stephen kick at some point, how HR Giger, his artwork was so telling of how, you know, technology and humanity would come over time. Cause you know, it, it's very dark and everything, but the truth is that that's mm-hmm. exactly what's happened. We've become symbiotic with technology and that's going to continue to happen as far I as agree. I can tell until a, an atomic bomb takes out the, the grid yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But even then it's really interesting stuff, man. Yeah. There's um, a, a futurist called Ray Kurzweil and he kind of mm-hmm. makes predictions. He's kind of famous for his predictions. Some of them are pretty wild and, you know, predicting, Oh, the singularity is going to be within 40 years, you know? And, the singularity is pretty much where machines get sophisticated enough to where they, they take over the runnings of, of humanity. And, yeah. you know, that could be a golden era or it could be a, a matrix era. You know, we don't know. But, you know, if you think about it on the on the, the cools, it would be nice for the daily drudgeries to be taken over to free. Some people say that if that were to happen, that humans could have another renaissance, that we could spend our time thinking of the creativity part of, of life and being human. And, you know, another renaissance could happen. And I would love for that. You know, we shall see how, how it goes. You're absolutely right. And we are kind of in that beginnings of that renaissance right now, I think, uh, with just mm-hmm. what we're doing right now. We're literally uh, we're all socially distanced from each other. We're not supposed to hang out and all this kind of shit. But we're we're talking to each other through a computer screen with digital interfaces. Right. It's already happening. And it's so seamless. It's, it's happening right underneath us that we can't even really yes. uh, detected it, it's like music too it's um think about when you were listening to music before all the computers took off it's you yeah. know you, you, you there was a lot of choices not like now you know i, I love electronic music and yeah. kind of a fan of, of uh you know drum and bass and i go on there and i start looking for that and there are just jungle drum and bass tech drum and bass all oh, just every single flavor and you know and people get into heated arguments no that's not jungle drum and bass same thing with video games. You've got so many choices, just like with this game here. You go back and you get to do an, an old school approach and, and of games and, and play it like, you know, how they used to play them. It's kind of like going back and playing Pac-Man. You get yeah. that that style of game. Same thing with this. This is, you know, entry or the, the golden age of first person shooters, their birth, you know. Did Doom you ever think that was going to be a like something that would happen where, where in the future you would go back and, or you would play new games that looked like they were old games and actually enjoy them for what they are. I have been scrambling so hard, just keeping up with, with everything that's going on now. 
having you contact me and all of a sudden, hey, Chuck, it, it's kind of like those ones where, you know, the, there's, there's a, a being in this world and he goes and he gets the person. He's like, let me show you something. And you kind of took me along and it's like, oh, my God, they're, they're, they're talking about the game I worked on 25 years ago. And they like no, it. Nothing has changed. Joe is still here. Scott is still here. Brian Turner is, is still helping out here and there. It's it was the, getting the old gang back together. We had a level lord involved for a bit at some point. Oh, um, level Rob Bill. Atkins still talking yeah, about Rob Atkins. Jim Dosey also talked with him quite a bit. Uh, Very yeah, good guy. Yeah, fantastic guy. So yeah, I, I'm grateful for you to to kind of showing me that because it you know. It's easy to get lost these days. You go on Art Station and there's Hossein Diba doing these gorgeous, you know, absolute likenesses of wrestlers and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of at a point. It's like, well, where do I fit in again nowadays? You know, where am I? What what appeals to me? And um, it, it's kind of been nice to go back and to see that. And it's kind of opened some things for me to kind of think about again. You know, yeah. maybe I don't need to do the absolute insane you know creatures down to the poor level you know maybe i can absolutely not back off and and do something more stylized you know and and it's um it's been very cool it's been a positive experience even even taking 1024 and knocking it down to 128 again well the the pleasure has been all ours you know just just the fact that that we can help you and, and, and get you back to doing what you, you know, how, how you could start it in this, this business, going back to basics yeah. and, and the fact that, that we can actually make something people appreciate. It's fun when you look at pixel art nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when you look at the, the, the games like, like Duke 3D and, and Blood and so mm-hmm. on, you know, they did pixel art because they were forced to. They, they want to create a realistic brick texture they had mm-hmm. no other options that maybe they could import a very blurry photo, and but they had to paint in the pixels to highlight the elements, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and and going Dirt back Jones to, to mind, I remember going in and seeing all the yeah. I just it, you're right, you're right, and it's kind of a lost art form, you know. And people are, are bringing it back. There's tons of programs out now. I just picked up a few of them for pixel painting, and I know um oh who is it? They make hexels which is a pixel painting editor. Now Marmoset does. There's still a big audience for it. People like that. It's just, it's a type of story and, and setting and stuff that, that again, I think with this day and age, the, the, the number of choices we have is, is, is almost boundless, you know, and all it takes is for somebody to do a little twist on something and boom, a whole new genre appears. And, um, People are hungry for it. They're hungry for the new, the old, everything. They're, they're searching it out. And, um, you know, Fred contacting me and, and again, just, here, come look. Look, there are people. They're, and, and to see people talk about artwork that I, you know, kind of sometimes want to put behind and say, no, don't look at that. Look at this PBR artwork. Look at my zebrush skulls, you know? I skipped it, right over all of that. It's like, where's the good stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I still I, um, I still have some stuff uh, from some of the games. I've been trying to put up Duke stuff. I uh, tried to put up the Half-Life stuff that I worked on. And, um, you know, it, it's 
but so much time has passed going in and getting jobs at places. There are some of the games I've worked on are older than some of the people that are working there. That's kind of odd and kind of interesting and, and such. Um, it's good that this is still being accepted and, and, and enjoyed. People are having fun. I like that. I like that. You that's that's my job is to entertain people. And I, I hope to do that, you know. You started working with Apogee in 93? Yeah. I, I always use it. I got out of college in 92. I tattooed for a good two or three years. And um, that's whenever I, the story I told earlier about sending yeah. my stuff in and then, you know, it, Scott and George got me in there. And pretty much if it wasn't for those two, they, they are the ones that helped get me in, you know, and Tom Hall, of course, he's still doing it. He's on my Facebook and, you know, I think he just joined an, another company just here recently. Yeah. It's kind of helping me, you know, revisit that era again, because I would see all that old art. And sometimes you, you show that to people and it's like, ah, that's old stuff. It's much more complicated now. Anybody can do that. And it's it's like, no, it was a different time. You couldn't go onto YouTube and do a couple of, of uh, tutorials and learn how to do it. You were on your own. You had to experiment over and over. And yeah. I, I'm enjoying the meeting of that period of time in my life with where I'm at now with uh, 3D. Because I mean, now I'll go in and sculpt something in ZBrush, kick it out, throw it in my 3D printer over there. And, uh, you know, now I've got something. This is a new thing for me. All the stuff that's been in a computer, I can finally kick it out and I can hold it. I can hold it. I can physically paint it. You know, that I love because then that all of a sudden ties into D&D and gaming. I love board games. See all the board yeah. games that I can yeah. play? <laughs> I was going to bring that up earlier when I first saw it, but I figured that would be like there's, an there's end huge, end. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I love the gaming field. Um, it, it can be, it can be tough. It can be brutal. It's been tricky to, to age and grow old in the gaming field. Yeah. Um, I'm still just as exuberant and as excited and um, eager to do stuff as I was when I first joined. Um, awesome. I just, I, you know, there's a, hopefully there's some wisdom in there that will, will help with that. You know, I, I appreciate Fred. I remember the email coming in there and showing it to my wife and it's like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's see what's, let's see what's going on. I'm, I'm curious, you know, this guy's still alive. Still <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. kicking around. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm, I'm here. <laughs> so speaking of new stuff, Duke 3d, um, then you moved on to to Valve. That was, you know, speaking of Duke, that was a you know an evolution of of everything that you've known from from Doom and Rise of the Tribe. But Half Life, that but you, the game, you skipped Shadow Warrior. Oh, Shadow Warrior, yeah, 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 Shadow Warrior. I was like, I was, I've been like sitting here like waiting for you guys to quit reminiscing about the old days. So I just yeah, let's talk about let's Shadow Warrior. Let's, let's talk about Shadow Warrior and Voxels. <laughs> so you were so instrumental in this game. Like, tell us the story of like how it came to be and everything. Oh, what that's- was weird is I, I, I did a lot of concept art for that, and a lot of that's on my mm-hmm. website. But that's when I got cold called at my desk, just all of a sudden from a recruiter. Uh, his name was Mike Wallen, and I, my relationship with him is uh, I still know the guy. But anyways, he he just he he kind of recruited me, and I I was fresh out of college. You know, as a tattoo artist, 
never been anything around that. Next thing you know, I'm on a plane up to Seattle and I was born and raised in Texas Had never really left much. Um, but all of a sudden I'm in Seattle and all of a sudden I'm at, you know, this hoity toity high end hotel off Lake Washington down there in Kirkland where valve was set up. And, you know, I remember when I got in there on the plane, the, the, some of the guys picked me up and they're crossing the bridge of Lake Washington. It's like, look, that's where Bill Gates lived. You know, I'm longtime Texan, but, um, I really fell in love with the Pacific Northwest. I love it up here. The mountains, the trees, that, that kind of stuff speaks to me and just really fell in love with this place up here. And so I was like, okay, I'll do it, you know, but it comes the hard part. You're, you're leaving a team that, you know, that helped you get in the industry, you know? And I remember Scott and George really upset and I, I hated doing that to them, but there was just, you know, I was talking to Gabe Newell then directly and uh, I went up there and I was like, probably, I remember somebody telling me I was the 12th hire. I don't know if that was true, but I was pretty early and, you know, they had an office in, in downtown Kirkland and um, it's a sweet setup. It was, you know, um, it was amazing to go in there and uh, keep doing it. And again, we're, we're doing things. I pretty much was doing the illustrations, building the characters, texturing them, animating them, doing it all. And that's probably my golden time for development, you know, because yeah. I could talk to the designers. My, one of my favorite things, we had a programmer named Ken Birdwell. This guy is, is top-notch programmer, top-notch. I mean, when you got people coming in and hanging out in his office that helped develop the MPEG format, and, and uh, Steve Perlin of the Perlin Texture. If you're a 3D artist, you know what a Perlin Texture is. This guy drops by the office and he's hanging out, you know, and Gabe's talking to Michael Abrash, and it's just like, wow, all these insane names. And here I can go into his office and say, hey, Ken, can we make our characters talk? What if we hook the, the bone to the, the wave file, you know, and however, the higher the sound. And I'd go back in and, and this was child's play for Ken and he'd have it done. It's in the game. And you're just like, oh, that's just amazing. You know, it's like, hey, Ken, you know, can we do scripted sequences? Can you export out the level? into the 3D program and I could animate that and we could base it off of zero, 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 then bring it back in and have a sequence. And he goes off, he does it again. And it's just, you know, it, it's just staggering all the things that would happen. So Gabe was, he, he was already, you know, hot shit in Microsoft. Uh, he was kicking butt there in, in, in that department, him and um, Mike Harrington, they opened early valve. Again, I got to experience that, what I experienced with Duke, to see excitement build for stuff. And again, we got to go to another um, E3, and, and you start to see it build more. And you look at this, and it's like, man, we've got something cool here. Mm -hmm. And that was the early days where it was a head-to-head -head battle between us and Ritual. And it was weird, you know, because I remember talking to Robert and he's like, yeah, we'll get you over to Ritual here soon. And, you know, I was kind of one of the last ones there. Never got over to Ritual, but uh, that's when I got recruited by Valve and it, it ended up, you know, it's a small world. All of a sudden, your buddies that you, you developed with, you're in friendly competition with. So we're, you know, Half-Life is competing with Sin we're competing with John Romero and, and, you know, with his games. And it was just, 
it was just the explosion of that genre. And we just, it, it just happened for Half-Life. And I, I don't know how I'm thankful for it. I go through all the things that I go through with my Duke art. I look back at some of the older Half-Life art and it's just like, Oh my God, that is hideous. You know, it's beautiful. I I guess I'm, I'm, I am a super perfectionist and, and it's hideous in the way that I chose to, to, you know, the way I divided up my character, what I know now, I know I would approach it a little differently. And, um, you know, I could still get the same target level, but um, those are the kinds of things that I lament. And I'm kind of getting a second chance with this now. And it's like, oh, I know where I'm going to put that edge loop. Yeah, that edge loop's going there. I know this problem. I, I, want, I don't want to fall into that trap again. And, and that's what's so cool about this experience working, you know, with 3D Realms now is um, getting the chance to go back for, you know, s- stuff that I've stared at. I remember... Um, I even worked on Team Fortress. That was after Half-Life, we all had a choice. Hey, you can work on Half-Life 2 or you can work on Team Fortress. I love multiplayer games. And that gave me the opportunity to um, play a game that was out there being played like crazy. And, you know, we could play it at work and then we could jump on the servers with the public. And, oh, my God, that was so fun. We could be in the same office and it's like, hey, I'm on this server. And then we could all jump in. and. People didn't know the developers were playing, but we're just just annihilating people because we played this game so good. And the guy who ran um, the Team Fortress project, Robin Walker, was already a badass. I mean, he was like Australian world champion with Quake. And they had some guys that were just so good. You wouldn't survive. And I was a decent player, but man, when I get on there with Robin, he would just tear you up. They had a couple of other people in there, <laughs> and they're just having a good old time, just lobbing rockets and just just kicking your butt. Was this uh, but, Quake, like Quake World, Netquake, or were you already playing Team Fortress? Oh, we, it, it, we we there was all sorts of flavor from games. You know, it, yeah. they. Um, I remember just the old um, God. I don't remember exactly which one, but the um, they would play Quake. But then you started getting more chance. You know, we would play our game TFC. We play Half Life Deathmatch. Um, oh God, some of the other players' games and we would do. It, there was just so many. That was what was cool about that era. So many people were experimenting and trying new things. You had um you had Hexen, of course, and God, we'd all jump on there and want to change each other into chickens, you know, and uh it, it, that was fun. And just whatever game would come out, everybody would jump in the car, go to Comp USA, go to the game aisle buy that game, go back and all install it, hook up and we would play until crazy hours of the night. I remember I would get the, um, I would play doom so much. I was exhausted and I'm sleeping and you'd hear that. And I would do the, remember the doom C you could take your mouse and you could do it in a C motion and it would auto you 180 your character. around. And I would do that half asleep. Just, just, you know, hearing that noise in your head, you're, you're just so tweaked from being in the environment all day, but it was fun. God, I love that stuff. So much fun. Really interesting. Cause uh, Fred and I have talked about this at length before about uh, you're describing the era in which there are all these amazing new multiplayer PVP experiences that you know, everybody was like, Oh, I want to try the next thing and try the new thing. And then you ultimately went on to work on the game that stopped that in its tracks forever. As far as we know now, because when Half Life came out, 
or and then you you have that transition in the single player community right from half-life to a more cinematic story based mm-hmm. thing but in the multiplayer community we go from all the like what's the next thing what's the next thing counter-strike done yes it's never been a bigger esport yeah counter-strike is still going on um yeah. i remember um I was I was fortunate enough to get to work on some of the characters for the retail version of that. Um, Min Lee, I believe, was the guy who was responsible for Counter Strike. Remember, his handle was Gooseman. Yeah, that um, Gabe would encourage that. He would encourage as many people. You know, if there was a good game, he would go grab it and give them an environment to um, to flourish and push that game what team fortress was he went down to australia recruited the guys that did um the the team fortress for quake and that's who robin walker and and, um, a couple of the other guys were that came up i think that was what was cool about half-life was they wanted to get away from cinematics that was a jarring thing you would play a game you're all amped you're you're you know your adrenaline's going and then you got to stop you got to watch the cinematic sometimes they were short sometimes they were long but I think that was the big push with Half-Life was let's keep people in the game. If we're going to do a cinematic experience, let's put the person in part of that. And that was new stuff, you know, and you see it everywhere now. Uh, We called them scripted sequences back then. And um, they're everywhere now. And it's it's amazing uh, just to see where that started from and to see where it is now. Yeah is just is very humbling and and wonderful you know makes me think what's coming next i always like to think that what's next you know but again speaking with fred and him kind of pulling me back and and helping me appreciate kind of where it all came from and started mm-hmm. I, i'm grateful for that i'm actually oh sorry yeah i'm, I'm, I'm why why we were talking about this just going back to shadow warrior bit i was actually uh so i just happened to have a uh a photo album yeah. that um, that you probably haven't seen in a very long time. Oh, these are ha- fun. That has, uh, from that era, is that you right there in the black shirt? No, that was uh, Jim. Jim. God, I can't remember his name. There's Lee. Is that uh, the, the Duke's voice guy? John Van Galt? Yeah, this is uh, um, Lo Wang. Yeah, there's Jim. God, I remember his name. I, I I'm so bad with names these days. Remember all these guys? There's Lee. I yeah. don't remember. Him. God, oh, I like there, that Prey T-shirt. Can I get? There's, one? there's Lee. You have one? There's Lee. I know. I actually have a couple of these uh, laying around here at home. I I just send one over to you. Oh, I remember her. She yeah. was so nice. And Stephen Blackburn. Oh, God, Stephen Blackburn and I had so much fun. There's uh, Todd. Yeah. Pizza code in the uh, pizza. There was always there. And I always heard the story that there was um, phone numbers for the local pizza shops within the code. <laughs> Todd was, su- Todd was such a, a, a cowboy coder. That's I don't a, know who's telling that. Alan Blum, right? Right there. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, there's Alan. Definitely know Alan. He and, was pretty uh, much whole project I, I know that face we're gonna have to get non-disclaimers from everybody Everyone yeah i remember he good. came in and uh it's like that guy looks like salvador dolly <laughs> he loved that compared um uh, siegler dope fish 
we we have we have a lot of a lot of fun things like this that we can share around at some point so you can check something out. I, I just thought it would be fun to uh since we were talking is, briefly yeah. about um talking briefly about Shadow Warrior there. Um I was just looking around to see if I could find um some old pictures of you somewhere. <laughs> that could have been fun. Uh, there's probably some um, in this. There's archive. probably scattered. Well, the thing is, is is mid development or fairly early. I left Shadow Warrior, so that may be why there's not a lot of pictures in there. Ah. Yeah. Um, that's probably whenever, you know, I was making the flight up to start living in Seattle. At this point in your career, already, you know, made a game that like you know, Duke Nukem changed the world of you know we're moving into the 3D era. And then when you start working on Half-Life, did you at any point in time like kind of realize how revolutionary this game was going to be, or was it just like another day at work for you? No, it it, it bailed. I remember yeah. the first day when they sent out that first opening sequence. Um, some of the level guiders, uh, uh, level guys, um, sent out kind of like, "Hey, this is what we got on the on you know what the, what you see is that part where it blacked out and it breathed, and then you flash back in." And it's like, I saw that and it's like, oh my God, that is cool. I've never seen anything like that for a game. And I knew that it was, it, there was something special. Again, I'm fortunate to have felt that again, felt it with Duke and um, felt it with, with Half-Life. And yeah. um, it's just an amazing, and then just to sit back and watch it grow. And back then the magazines were a lot more integral to getting the word out and talking about games. Um, oh, what was it? Sugar Shack was, was one of the big websites. Oh, Shack News. Yeah. Shack News. Thank yeah. you. Still, and, still uh, alive and still existing. Some yeah, of the old guys are still there too. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Um, and that was when they had plan files. And I remember people would go off and plan files were kind of like the early tweeting versions of stuff. And, you know, people would get in arguments over plan file updates and stuff. And I've always been kind of a behind the scenes guy. Uh, I don't want to jump out in the middle of it. I'd rather my artwork or things that I've worked on be out there. But um, it was cool to watch Half-Life grow and, and change and become what it was. Yeah, I was very fortunate to be part of that. I, you know, Some aspects of it are come back to me and seeing pictures like that really help trigger those memories because it's, it's a long time ago. And I tend to be a workaholic and sometimes I don't lift my head up. I'm trying to get to the next thing. It's Kind of like when you're an artist in this industry, yeah. you you have to be on your toes constantly. It's easy to get left behind. And um, I'm, you know, busy trying to stay relevant, you know, and there is at some points it, I had been doing so many crunch hours and stuff. I, I needed to get away from the computer. You can't stay attached to it at the hip all the time. It's not good for you. So I got into mountain biking and that took a lot of, of my focus there for a while. Yeah. Um, but it was good. I, I got to explore Seattle. Um, I got to explore, Oh man, I've mountain biked some amazing places that I needed that. I needed to step away for a bit, but you know, again, now I've kind of, as my career's matured, I kind of tried some roles that got away from the art creation and more management. And it just, it wasn't the same for me. You know, um, one company, I was kind of like the, the, outsource manager and sit there and watched everybody else do art. And I didn't get to, and it's just, I, I'm not happy. Yeah. I want to be where the art is. And again, thankful again for the opportunity to um, work on some of these characters again, because that, that 
that means something to me, you know, just be able to do that again. And um, it's where I want to be. You know, it's nice to manage people and stuff, but I just feel like I got some more to say. It's as far as fun. Yeah. much more fun to actually do stuff. And I know the the, the feeling because the, you know, I'm, I'm not an artist at all. Uh, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just a little bit of everything man, but, mm-hmm. but getting to a position in game development where you can't really work on the actual game because you have to manage so many things. That's the yes. least fun part of it. You you need to have at least some, some little area of the game that, okay, this is, this is the place I can play around with, uh, yeah. whether it's sound, level design, or artwork, or characters, Something. textures, and so on. Mm-hmm. And things have, have these days have just really super specialized, super special. I mean, you have people that just all their job is is to do hair. Mm-hmm. All their job is is to do rigging. I mean, it's just it's hyper specialized. Yeah, who's and that it's, poor it's, bastard that had to do the t-shirt scene in The Last of Us Two, like. You know, that's yeah. the whole profession. Or the, yes. The, yeah. People that do cloth. Yeah. Yeah. This, there's a CG guy. There was a whole team of CG people on uh, the Watchmen film specifically for Dr. Manhattan's dick. Yes. That was, yeah. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> it I believe was. that. It's a whole that's separate hilarious. team. Yeah. I totally believe that. You know, I, I've seen some of the modern characters, how they, um, they have systems to where they can, blend in normal maps to help with expressions. Mm-hmm. So if you need lines here, they, the, the character can go to that expression, but then they blend in a normal map. And, mm-hmm. and you know, to get all the, these convincing, to, to try to get away from the uncanny valley and make it where you can resonate with this character. And it's just getting so hyper-complex, you know? And there's such a, a drive now for people to be technical artists. Yeah. The other day, I, I, I love a program called Substance Designer, but it's literally a program to where you use math and nodes to paint and draw. And I've got several tutorials to where people have gone in and it amazes me that they can take nodes and go in and build like a stack of octopus tentacles or something, for example. And they look real. And all of that creation of that was done through math. They would bring in a cylinder. They would taper that cylinder. Then they would add this, and they would use a um, a multiply to combine those two images. Then they would translate it, and then it just keeps going and going. It, we're entering the world of procedural now, you know, and you have to because games are so becoming so complex that we have to get systems to where the computer chooses. I still have a part in that that I can help provide assets for the computer to choose from and to combine with. But um, we're, we're at the dawn of procedural now, and um, programs like Houdini are changing that. You know, next I, I fully imagine um, water physics are going to come in. And did you see those sh- water physics uh, that they had in Half Life, Alex? Yeah. Those gifts that were all over the place with with the bottles, where they move around the bottle. Oh, I have you- not seen that. I have not played Half Life, Alex. I need to. I need to. Those physics are, or whatever magic voodoo stuff they're doing is insane because you you basically mm-hmm. see a bottle um, in the hand and the liquid inside right. looks completely real. Yeah, yeah, it's that kind of stuff. Incredible. I remember my 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 biggest wish was whenever I would play a game is you know I want to jump in a spaceship on a surface of a planet. I want to control it and I want to fly all the way out into the atmosphere and and hit a spaceship in orbit because. Couldn't do that. As soon as you hit the ceiling, you were out of the level and it needed to load that. So it would break that experience for you. 
not anymore. Mm-hmm. You can jump in, you know, um, jump in a spaceship, fly out of orbit and, and, and go wherever you want. And, um, that kind of stuff is amazing. Have you played it, uh, the outer wilds? Have you seen this game? I haven't. What was, um, I have not played that one. I've got our worlds is the other one, but that's not what I'm talking oh, about. I saw wild. that yeah. and I was very yeah. curious. Um, I think that's one of the curses of being a game artist is there's not a lot of time to play the games. You're so busy keeping up, staying yeah. in the Imagine, imagine being a journalist. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck. I, I, yes. I have to play it so I can talk about it. Like I've, I was going yes. back through games just for this specifically for this convention. I was like, there's yes. so much I have to catch up on because I was born in 1995 and half the fucking games you guys are talking about were before I was 10 years old. So it's exactly. a lot. Yeah, it is. And it just keeps coming more and more. So it's like, um, you know, as the times change, we have to adapt. And I think that's probably the most important thing for all of us is just stay adaptable, you know, and, and, um, and, and keep the fun about you, you know, yeah. it's easy to get in and, and have people get very serious. Oh man, the arguments I've seen over looking back at it now, the silliest stuff, you know, yeah. Oh, I want him to have scales. No. And it's just, it's like we're splitting the atom. No, no, no. We're making games. Come on. This, this is fun. We're entertaining. You know, yeah. we're entertaining the people that are splitting the atoms. That, that's our job. That's kind of the thing that I want to revisit again. And again, the opportunity that I've been handed for to create some characters for the current stuff is, is has been nice. And, and I'm grateful for that. And, you know, thank you, Fred, for that. That's, that's Absolutely, uh, man. It, it's the honor is all ours. And, and I got to say, uh, you know, watching you do what you do on this project has been absolutely incredible. Just to see slowly get back into into the the grove of doing uh, old school looking stuff. Mm-hmm. Help, but uh, one of the guys uh, actually just sent us uh, this one right oh, here. We're doing, we're doing the thing again. Here we go. All right, I'm pressing the button. Yeah. Oh shit! Your best your best work so far, Chuck. Hold on, it's still loading for me. Oh, Ivan, that is my own. I, I can claim that as a meme. Claim to fame, I have a meme. 300 <laughs> by 300 for those who can't see the. And and I, I still think this is, this is the true Gordon Freeman. Again, when I think Gordon Freeman, this is the guy I'm thinking of. Ivan the space biker. <laughs> this, this was only supposed to be a test image. It's one of those things, and I tell artists nowadays, be careful what you release because you never know where it will end up. And that's that's the case for this one. It was just supposed to be, hey, what about this? I had just stepped foot into 3D Studio from Animation Master. I didn't, there was so much I did not know. And, you know, oh, you only have 400 triangles to make something. So things had boxy heads. And poor old Ivan. <laughs> but he, he is, he is, I got to say, uh, he is surprisingly similar to... Uh, to, to a character you recently did uh, for for us. Um, oh. he, looks he looks very similar to the, the protagonist in uh, Engraven. Um, yeah. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I think that fits your uh, your lead level guy. Man, I was surprised how quick how much the uh, that character looks like uh, your lead level guy, Chris. Yes, Chris Holden. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's pretty similar. In some way, <laughs> did you know that you were actually creating uh, Chris Holden for this one? Had no idea. I didn't see a picture of him. 
that's, this, that's this was all Pavetto's uh, uh, stuff, and it just that's what you know the pixels pushed it to. But this is the fancy version that's in substance. I'm I'm cheating there technically. This is getting closer. <laughs> they're, they're roping me back. Come on, yeah. come back. Come on, knock the resolution down. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's fun to see. It's it's uh you know it is again a true pleasure that that you wanted to join on on something like this and, and kind of reactivating oh, no, yeah. you. I, I I spoke with a few different guys. Like I recently spoke to uh, you know Mike Porter. Um, he was um, I I spoke with him at uh, also a good friend of of the Ritual guys. I spoke with him at um, at PAX and he was he was mentioning uh-huh. a thing that that kind of stuck with me. Um, you know he, he's in his fifties well uh-huh. and and he uh, he told me that he came by the the 3d realms booth and he's one of the lucky ones that mm. you know he, uh-huh. he's working at a university and, and and can teach and so on i know you've also been teaching a bit and and he told me that you know a lot of the guys his age and the ones that are you know like uh, level lords age they mm-hmm. many of them are these days are janitors or don't have a job or are yeah. it, it's a lot of the 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 craftsmanship and the 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 achievements these people have made are not really being honored the the way they should anymore for some of them at least um right because it's all about getting the the young the young blood the the fresh guys you know who, yes. who are up to date with everything and 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 I get a yes. feeling that especially in AAA um the seniors especially in terms of artwork like this are not mm-hmm. as respected as the programmers are for instance you know you, Guys yeah. like Carmack and someone, they can find whatever job they want, obviously. But but yes. guys like like you know, who who created G Man uh, or or, yeah. or Gordon Freeman, um, and and that's one of the things that when we took over Three D Realms and, and and kind of wanted to go back to the roots of what what was Three D Realms all about back in the nineties and kind of go back to that. One of the things we really wanted to do was kind of try and go back and reactivate a lot of this fantastic talent that that is not part of the, the, the core AAA industry anymore because there's so much right. passion in there. There's so much, you know. Oh, yeah. You, you can have the I young people that, that come in and they know how to use a tool and they can create pretty stuff. But decades mm-hmm. of experience uh, yeah. is, is so important. I, I agree with you. Um, I have noticed that. It, you know, there's for a time, of, you know, I could show my resume and have those those games on there, but now that those games are becoming older and not many people are familiar with them, they don't have the pool, you know, is, is showing, Hey, this is my resume. And it's people, Oh, that's old games. What can you do now? You know, we're PBR workflow and I've done everything I can to, to stay up, you know, with the, the, all the tools, the marvelous designers, the substance painters, the ZBrush. God, I love ZBrush. Have I said that yet? But, um, um, yeah, I would love to still be part of this, um, you know, doing what I can to remain, just sending people resumes and, hey, I would love to join you. This looks fun. <laughs> Have me in there. It's been really interesting, especially not just with art art design, but also with uh, especially music in games mm-hmm. is the wealth of artists that have made their, you know, name in, you know, back in that era at some point. And right. then are able now to just contract out to these like indie guys that are like, Hey, I'd really like to feature some Alexander Brandon music in my game. And then lo and behold, we get head on with like one of the most amazing game soundtracks 
to come right. in indie first person shooters in a long time. And that, that kind of thing really interests me. And I, I like to see that you're, you know, returning and working with 3d realms. I remember uh, there was like an announcement in the official 3d realms discord when you rejoined the company and mm-hmm. I, I messaged Fred. I was like, bro, like I got to get Chuck on. And finally it's <laughs> happening. But I was like, I really wanted to talk to you then. Right. Because you have such a wealth of knowledge. And when you, when you talk about how do you deal with the, the you know, there's always the young blood. There's always going to be people rushing, mm-hmm. you know, into the industry and trying to make their, you know, make their name. Sure. And doing the same thing I was doing when I was there. Right? right. Right. But now that you're in the position you're in, you have so much uh, to to pass along. You know, you mentioned that at the very beginning of this conversation about like, I hope I have some wisdom to pass on. And, right. and as Fred says, like, I think that's something that needs to be honored and respected forever because I appreciate it, it. yeah, there's, I don't know. That's kind of what I do. That's like my whole podcast is just talking to old farts. Like you guys, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I, I think, I think Thai wisdom is the, is the right word here. And that is yeah. one thing that is kind of forgotten uh, in a lot of places in this industry. You know, yeah, you you might have a a, a, a 3D artist or, or a level designer or someone who did some legendary stuff back in the mid nineties who are not up to date with all the latest technology. Um, mm-hmm. But the wisdom is there. It's still in the mind of how yeah. to, you know, how to make these things. You might not know the tools, but, but that's just the learning skill. But, but the right. skill of being a true artist, that's not, that's independent of the actual tools that you're using. And I, I feel a lot of uh, larger game studios um, kind of ignore that um, and just look for, here's the new yeah. pretty thing on ArtStation from this new kid right out of college, for instance, which is also great. Yeah. They need the opportunity, but that wisdom that you can gain from having guys like Chuck on board is so underappreciated, I, I at least feel. Um, and that's good when you mentioned Alexander Brandon who made the music for Unreal and Deus Ex. You know, now guys like us can get a guy like that because the big AAA studios don't really hire a guy like that to do yeah. their epic scores for the next Elder Scrolls or, or whatever. Not everybody can be like as lucky as Alexander Brandon like, yeah. in his career. Yeah. But like then you have like Zach Bellica who went on to work at like Epic and you have... Yeah. Like so, so many Some amazing. Have done well, yeah. yeah. I, I, my, my weakness is self promotion. I'm so, you know, I don't self promote as well as I could. Um, you, you know, again, that. I your work speaks for itself. That's that's yeah, the thing. That's true too. I, you know, I, 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 God, I spent eight years at Warner Brothers and and worked stuff there, and that was. But I, I've I've come to find that I actually enjoy the indie teams a lot better than the big triple A's. You know, it's um, yeah. The indie teams, I guess it mimics more what that golden moment that I have working with Half-Life and with Duke is being able to to visit different disciplines, you know, and be able to contribute there. You know, I, I certainly know that somebody who's a designer for a living, I bow to their their knowledge and stuff. But sometimes, you know, you can have just wild ideas that can help inspire them to to, to push stuff. And it's fun being able to to visit the different disciplines, but again, still stay respectful and say, Hey, I know this is your field. I'm not here to stomp on your flowers. Um, I'm just here to see if I can, you know, help get a new perspective on things or or possibly. But I get taught by the the new guys and the new young guys just as much as, as I teach them, you know, it's keep, try to keep the ego out of it. Sure. I've worked on some stuff, but man, I'm still learning a lot of things too there's so much to learn, you know, the, the hair software, the lighting, unreal, 
Do I learn Unity? Do I learn Unreal? So many programs to learn. I have drives filled full of tutorials. I've done everything to try to keep up and uh, to stay relevant. So you're more relevant than ever, man. I, I I'm trying. It, it's fun. I'm still here and, and still want to contribute. I, I I feel I can, and I'm I'm thankful to be on this project to uh, to do that. So before we we get into like the here and now, what we're talking about, I do. There's a couple more things I kind of want to run through from your catalog. Of course. Uh, when you, you talked earlier about how obsessed you were with monsters and with D and D and you know Middle Earth and all this kind of thing, and then you got the chance to work on some really interesting uh, Lord of the Rings titles. And I'm really curious, like what that experience was like for you, because that is a totally different type of uh, you know thing than what you're famous for. But right, kind of a full circle sort of situation. That was great, but again, that um, started working. Um, that was when I worked with. Um, um, it's coming back to me. The, was it Warner um, Bros? Or, uh, no, this surreal? was before I worked with Surreal. Okay, I worked with Surreal doing. Um, uh, this is Vegas. And mainly that was a part because after Valve, I left and worked at um, uh, Midway in Chicago. I moved. And um, that was an interesting spot. Midway was, man, that's like, you know, pinball heaven, but working in Chicago. And I just have to be honest. I just I'm, I didn't wasn't happy living in Chicago. It was a big city. It was flat. Um, I missed the Pacific Northwest. So I was trying to look for any avenue to get back here. Mm-hmm. And that's where Surreal came in. And Surreal was part of Midway. So I asked a, a friend of mine, hey, is possible I transfer? And so I got the opportunity to transfer and come back to Seattle. And I don't I don't want to leave Seattle. I love Seattle. I'd probably move somewhere with more trees and more mountains and water. <laughs> you know, that would be fine. But uh, I think that's I just I feel best around that. But um Surreal, then that's when 2008 happened and everything went bananas. Um, and then Warner Brothers came in and bought Surreal. Chuck so was they, working for Warner Brothers. I just thought of that. I know. My wife is an animator in the industry. That's amazing. That's amazing. She is, she, that makes her giggle every single time to know that she's married to Chuck Jones and I work for Warner Brothers. The two Chuck Jones. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I've been meaning to ask you what it was like when you did the complete. when you did the voice for Donald. Or, or <laughs> See, that would have been very embarrassing. <laughs> Which is it? Da- no, Daffy I, Duck is from Looney Tunes. Donald Duck is from Disney, right? God, I grew up. Yeah, uh, Daff, Well, there were so many errors with all the uh, the Looney Tunes uh, projects. Yeah. I remember growing up, meeting my Captain Crunch, sitting in front of the TV and seeing. Chuck Jones, you know, my mom would say that, there you go. Look, you know, try to inspire me. But, um, so how was it working on Daffy Duck, Chuck? Was it a fun experience? Oh my God. (laughs) That you look back at that stuff and it's amazing, man. I love that stuff. Love it. Um, anyway, you went to work for Warner Brothers. Went to work for Warner Brothers and, and started on Lord of the Rings project. And, you know, I love Lord of the Rings. I, you know, personally, I, I'm a sci-fi guy. I do love fantasy, love fantasy. Sci-fi is my main one, but um, I got specialized. Those companies working on orc armor. That's all I did. And you look at my portfolio and it's just packed with orc armor and cloth for um, some of the characters. So 
for almost years, I went for a couple of different projects and did orc armor and stuff like that. So that's pretty much what I did for them. But it, I think the only thing that, that kind of frustrated me was I kind of got pigeonholed into that. And that's one of the pitfalls for artists these days. They can go work for a company and, hey, we're going to do um, this particular subject style. And that's all you're ever going to do. And then all of a sudden that project changed, layoffs happen, studios, you know, disintegrate. And you have to go find a job with Orc Armor as your portfolio. And it gets it gets difficult, you know. And I had some issues with that. And, you know, right now I'm back in the days of revisiting the portfolio and, and you know, experimenting with new ways to work and to, to try to reinvent myself to um, get back in. Cause again, I worked for an outsourcing company there for a few years. You know, I, I worked with huge teams in India and you, you, you talk to them on the phone and it just sounds like an absolute airport in the background, mm-hmm. just to all of these people busting their butts to make these assets for stuff. The most I would do was print screen what they did and say, Hey, do this, change this over here. And every now and then you would get a bone thrown to you to be able to go back in and work. But, you know, it just, they're just these army of artists over there just working their, their fingers to the bone, trying to get all these assets for stuff. And um, again, just wasn't happy. You know, it, it's just, I, I'm, I'm away from the art. I'm at a high level of it. For some people that may be cool. It's not for me. I'd rather stay, keep my hands in the grease. So not there anymore. So right now I'm kind of freelance. I, I'm working for one company and uh, doing stuff for them. And I'm also um, helping with the uh, the 3D Realm stuff. But I wanted to get back into games. Just um, hit a point in my life. I had some health issues and um, they were pretty serious. And it, it kind of made me reflect. It's like, I, I want to ship games. I don't want to do this management stuff. anymore. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, that's not me. I want to make the stuff. And that's where I spend most of my time doing. If I wasn't getting paid, I'd still be in substance designer. I'd still be substance painter. I'd still be doing every learning hair software and learning every single tool that I can to, to do that. You know, I may branch off and start doing 3d printed stuff for game boards, you know, mm-hmm. for people uh, or painting miniatures. I just want to be in the games and, such a market thing. oh my gosh i want to can i go ahead and just start the business up and i'll i'll be your manager we'll start the oh man chuck, i'm happy official chuck jones dnt <laughs> i don't know how far that will get you is, is that the guy that worked on bucks bunny <laughs> yes yeah. yes <laughs> even better you can just point to me and i'm like yes i am that guy <laughs> exactly i i haven't aged a bit <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's me yeah let's go <laughs> Well, the great the Graven board game could be a good first uh, good first choice. You <laughs> can print your uh, your characters. I'm 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 just happy as long as my hands are in the grease and I'm not in Trello. I'm not in you know some spreadsheet putting in values, you know, and then secretly going over and doodling a character design in my head and then getting back to that stuff. And that's what I would find myself doing when I was 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 uh the outsource manager i would go over and doodle and then i'd be so excited that i got a white ballpoint pen so i could put in highlights on those oh, characters yeah. or make their teeth show up you know or 
I, I just, um, yeah, that, that's where my heart is. That's where I want to be. And that's where I'm working to stay. So specifically, what have you been working on uh, now that you're back with 3D Realms? Uh, currently at the moment, I'm, I'm doing, uh, characters, the NPCs, very good artist, Babeto is he, he, taking his drawing. He and I talk a lot online and it's funny the other day he, um, I, I, I showed him, I was like, yeah, I used to be a tattoo artist. I, I, I did the guy in Allison Chains and I showed him the album cover that the tattoo was on. He's like, dude, I used to listen to this, this, this album helped inspire me. And it's just, it's just a weird, small world. But, um. He's doing really awesome character designs and uh, just trying to take those designs and make those the NPCs for the game. And uh, I was fortunate to get to work on the main guy. He's still in, in flux and in still change. We've got to get him into the games, got to see how he fits, how he fits into the world. Does he tell the story that they want to tell when he's in there? You know, when you look at him, do you, do you see what they want you to see? And um, also doing the NPCs, um, getting all the assets in for those. So right now, those are my tasks and um, certainly open to, to do more. You know, um, we'd never have a problem. To bosses next time so you can do some monsters again. <laughs> I would be happy to do. You know, I, I've, I try to stay like the conversation we had with being, um, you know, uh, flexible. I, I can do um, assets that, you know, um, Environment assets, character assets, people assets. If I need to do a, a, a little potion jar, I can do that. It, it's not a problem. Um, Speaking of like uh, get, getting the old gang gang back together, um, yeah. We um, the the have you seen Pepeto's concept for the ferryman yet? Like the little old guy. Uh, yes, he just showed me that this morning. He's like, which one? I was like, man, yeah, I like number one. I like number three. Yeah, the same. The same. <laughs> Yeah, you know he's, he's, you know he's, he's, like, he's like, yeah, Fred's gonna like number one. You know who's doing the voice for that guy? Tell uh, me, St uh, Stefan uh, Wady, the voice of Caleb from Blood. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! Wow, and you found another old old school guy getting back into so the game. Cool. <laughs> that is. And he cool. just did uh, the the end of the Gloomwood demo as you walk into the corridor. Uh, this is okay. That you walk into this. Uh, house is big mansion and the very closing part of the, the demo is Stephen White's voice saying oh nice that's gonna be great yeah it, it's cool how you're getting in touch with all these people and um you're kind of like the fulcrum for all that and that, I appreciate that you know it's mm -hmm. a lot of these people I have the the highest of respect for and just to hear from them and see them again is is special to me when when we reached out to people like you it's to to be frank It's you don't know what you're going to find. <laughs> no, well, it's also because we we at at Three Realms and Slipgate these days kind of live in the '90s. We're we're all you know we all grew up playing these games that you helped work on, and 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 we we're still playing those games more than we're playing the modern games. So so when when I was thinking uh, about oh we we need a, a 3D artist to do characters, my my first natural instinct was all right, let's get Chuck Jones because that's how I would have thought. Back in, right. in 97, 96, 98, that would have been my natural instinct back then. Oh, Chuck Jones, of course. And that was right. my first natural instinct. And then I thought to myself, hey, why not? Like, let's see if, if he's still up <laughs> for it. Um, was it easy to find me? 
just out of curiosity. Oh, I, absolutely. It's just Chuck Jones. You know, you have, you have a website with a big email on so it. Here's the thing. Did you go oh. to his email and email him? And then he just responded to that email? Yeah. I I, I think I wrote something about uh, when I come back to the family or something like that. I think. <laughs> well, it, it, I'm under the umbrella of the original, the real Chuck Jones. So when you do a search on my name, yeah, you get yeah. tons of him. Well, but I'm if you go- put Chuck Jones... 3D, then you come to me. So yeah. I got a little bit of an anonymity uh, filter there to hide a little bit, you know? I think I messaged you on that email and I didn't get a response, probably because I'm not Fred. My, I was overwhelmed. Just, uh, wow, what is this? It's What's <laughs> going on, you know? 3D Realms? I haven't heard the thing in a long time. They still exi- they're still around? It's like what, that, that yeah. lady yeah. from the beginning of Titanic. It's been 87 years. Imagine uh, it, like being my age and around my peers at work, and uh, they're like, "What are you doing this weekend?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm interviewing Chuck Jones," and they're like, the, "What?" And I'm like, "Who? The guy from 3D Realms, like, Water Brothers guy?" They, they, and they have no fucking idea what I'm talking about. Like it, nothing. Yeah, just, yeah. And it's just those games again. They, they, yeah. they we're on to a new, new brave frontier, and that's fine. I'm, yeah. I'm happy to be on the frontier. You know, if I could contribute to modern games as well to, to whatever, I guess I'm just you know happy being here. I don't the my management dreams are are, are put to rest. You know, I I don't mind managing people and 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 helping you know that kind of stuff. But the day of me being the the mid level to stuff to where I don't touch any of the art, uh, that just that doesn't make yeah. me happy. You know? That's what it's all about: being happy. Yeah, I agree. I agree. This has been this has been very cool. I, I enjoy this. Absolutely, I think this is a good uh, point to kind of wrap it up. What do you think, Ty? I'm happy, man. This has been really fun. I think we should do it again sometime too, as you guys yeah. continue to work on projects together. Because like we've got, yeah. let me know. Just announced Graven, you know, and there's so much more to come. This is going to be really a beautiful symbiotic relationship that I hope to see unravel. Like when you guys were working on new projects, like. The show doesn't end with the convention, guys. This is really cool. No. Very happy. <laughs>